0: Hello, everyone. This is Mark Guy with a podcast of Speak Brave. And, of course, I'm here with my friend, John Mora. John, how are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm having a wonderful day. This is good to hear. I am always happy to spend time with you and do a podcast. Today is a special session. Well, every session is special. But today is especially special in many ways than one. Because on this episode of Speak Brave podcast... I'd like to talk about The Voice. The Voice. That's a great
1: program. The Leadership Voice. Oh,
0: Oh,
1: excuse me. I just immediately went off to that popular television program where people sing, and it's called The Voice. You're talking about Leadership Voice. Yes. Yes, well, that makes sense because really, Speak Brave is about taking a chance and demonstrating leadership with your voice
0: yes voice is an instrument oh
1: yes it's an
0: instrument have you ever heard this popular singer rachel platten yes i have she's popular she's good and in her writing i think she writes her own songs yes she does a lot of her own lyrics in a lot of lyrics that she said that something her tears were her instruments but i believe her voice is the instrument And I I see the larger picture because the voice is the instrument of leadership. It is. How many times have you heard someone talk in a nasally voice or Mm -hmm. in a voice that is just not pleasant? It's not pleasant to listen to. And Many, many times I've been there. Why does it happen? Don't people know how they sound?
1: I don't think so. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people have never heard a recording of themselves and no one has ever bothered to reach out to them and say, I have some recommendations. I think you can be better. This is something you need to work on. But sometimes people just keep their mouths closed and don't say anything. And of course, so what's the prescription?
0: Married? What is the prescription to do better? I know the reason I'm very excited about this because John, I know that you have an extensive voice training. You have a background in radio broadcasting. That I do. You also have you an accomplished public speaker. Mm -hmm. And you're a Toastmaster. Mm -hmm. So if you could share with our audience some things that you focus on that can help everyone focus and enhance the leadership voice.
1: The first thing that I, of course, learned to do when I was young with the help of a friend was singing. And the singing in and of itself, I had the talent, what the teacher wanted me to learn was the value of the right kind of breathing in order to create more dynamic in the voice when one is singing and also create greater endurance and by endurance i mean not just strength of voice but also the ability to hold notes longer because if one can sing and hold a note across two three four measures that's a sign that they're breathing properly and more importantly it's helping them to vibrate those vocal cords in a strong manner so that the resonance is clean, it's crisp, it's not fluttering, it's not breaking. So the singing was the first thing that helped me to break through on that. So
0: singing, well, what if someone is not inclined to sing? Somebody who is tone deaf, and I think I am, I admit, it's okay, the only singing I do is I sing in the shower, mm-hmm. and that's my indulgence, and that's where it stops.
1: Well, the principal thing about singing is that I have this inclination to sing, but one doesn't have to have the inclination to be a singer or even feel that they have the talent to sing. The greater benefit I got out of this was the breathing aspect. Okay, because tell tell, tell breathing, us more about that. Well, in breathing, when we're first born... If you ever watch a baby laying in a crib on its back, you'll notice that as they're breathing, the stomach is rising and falling. Rising yes, and falling. Yes, yes, yes. That is what we call proper breathing. That's the breathing you were created to do in the style of breathing. It's diaphragmatic. The diaphragm so you- is situated just above the stomach area and just below the rib cages. And when you breathe in deeply and properly, the diaphragm pushes down. Well, when it pushes down, that makes the stomach expand. You think you're putting air in your stomach, but you're not at all. What your stomach is doing is the diaphragm is pressing it up so that the air can completely expand the lungs. Therefore, the body gets the full benefit of the oxygen, oxygen it needs so that the child can feed its organs, that necessary life-giving oxygen. It can feed its brain, that oxygen that helps it to produce the neurons and to keep the brain healthy and strong. It's just, the whole body depends, among many things, it depends upon getting the right proper amount of air. But what happens to us, I discovered, is that for whatever reasons, we begin to quit breathing properly and start using other forms of breathing. Upper breathing from the chest. So
0: we shortchange our natural inclination to breathe right. We do,
1: and it becomes a habit.
0: Okay. Well, I'm not a baby anymore. Hard for you to believe, but I'm not. So some of our (laughs) listeners are not babies. I I
1: certainly hope so because (laughs) if they are, I can just, okay, I'm not going to go
0: there. (laughs) Unless you want to do a lullaby. Oh, yeah. I mean, But I think it will be podcast uh, for another audience. Uh, This is a podcast about speaking brave. Mm -hmm. Speaking brave among many different things. Finding the courage to speak up about things that matter to you. Yes. Changing your life. Learning. And also having the voice. The voice, can you... I've seen you do a presentation of some time ago where you actually... Well, tell us about your presentation and tell us the techniques that you have distilled from your decades of singing experience and Mm -hmm. talking experience that our audience can take away.
1: Let me first of all define what it is that makes breathing wrong if you're not breathing from the diaphragm. Because I was born and grew up with asthma, Mm. I would have these asthma attacks, and basically asthma is where the bronchial tube becomes inflamed and constricts therefore it narrows the passage then you suddenly find yourself gasping for air because of this gasping process you don't use
0: your stomach you
1: you grab for air
0: Sorry, from so the so high point so and so like, uh worked up breathing mm-hmm. what is what's the, what's the name for it
1: I, I just simply call it, I call it labored breathing. Okay. Okay. Um, it's, and it's a form of gasping, but it's not gasping as if you can't get a breath. It's just that every breath you take in, you just don't seem to be able to get enough air okay. because the airway is constricted. So you focus the air breathing through your chest, mm-hmm. and you forget about your stomach, which actually could help the situation. So once I discovered that I wasn't breathing correctly, and it was pointed out to me by a person teaching me singing, I learned some techniques, and those techniques have to do with, first of all, discovering where your diaphragm is. One okay. time, as you know, when I gave that speech to the group, I said, okay, let's first of all identify the location of the diaphragm, because yes. it is the single most important so item. So
0: how, how do we do that?
1: Well, you first of all take the palm of your hand, open okay, okay and let us re- along. yeah, and rest that palm of your hand at the very, very top of your stomach, and okay. just... Below your rib cage. Okay, got it. Now, I tell people, this is funny, and you're going to think you look completely silly, but we're all together here in this room, so nobody... I mean, you you can laugh about it if you want to, but the truth of the matter is, if you want to know how to locate your diaphragm, pant like a dog. And when you pant like a dog, you stick your tongue out, and you go...
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I.
1: And as you do that, guess what? Uh-huh. There is that muscle going back and forth, up and down, up and down, up and down. You can fill it with your hands. Yes, yes. And you can pull your hand away and say, There's my diaphragm right okay. there below my rib cage and at the very top of my stomach. And when you pant, that creates the natural breathing using the diaphragm.
0: Okay, so you pant like a dog. Okay. To locate your diaphragm. Got it. All right, let's keep moving.
1: Next thing is how do you begin to exercise your diaphragm? I feel the best way to do it is to do it through what I call deliberate, measured, deep breathing. Mm -hmm. And to know that you're doing correctly, you need one piece of equipment, actually two pieces of equipment. You can do it on the floor if you want to, or you can do it on the bed. I prefer to do it on a table.
0: All right. So take us through that.
1: Well, you lay... First of all, get yourself a big, thick book, like a dictionary or an encyclopedia, encyclopedia, Uh and then lay on top of a table, lay the book on the spot where the diaphragm is at so it's actually balancing between the stomach and the ribs. Okay. Then while you're laying on there, Forget about the book. The book is resting there. It's not going to fall out. You're not turning left and right. It's laying flat. And you got your hands resting, breathing through your mouth or through your nose. Begin to breathe in, but when you're breathing in, imagine that you're trying to expand your stomach, kind of like Wouldn't filling up in? Yes, like you're trying to fill up a balloon in your stomach. Okay. And as you're breathing in, notice the book. Mm -hmm. And the book will rise if you are breathing properly because the diaphragm has been pushed down and up. Mm -hmm. And the stomach, because you push down on it, is rising as well. Mm -hmm. But you are creating a greater flow of air into your lungs so that the air is actually filling up the entire lung there's a thing that doctors look at with people that have upper respiratory problems whether it's asthma COPD or other forms of pulmonary obstructive disease breathing or oxygen capacity that comes from how much oxygen are you truly getting into your lungs that the body is processing and when you have a test like that, it's amazing when you discover that you don't get nearly enough oxygen into your bloodstream because you're not fully
0: filling your lungs. Just, just a thought that I that sparkled in my brain. When you talked about the breathing, I know the focus of this episode is voice. And voice is recharged and energized by breathing. At the same time, I think learning to do deep breathing and those deliberate breathing will also calm you down.
1: It has it, a tremendous it, physical benefit as well. It is free.
0: It is free. However, what I think people don't want to do it because it's work. It is work. Or, or because it just sounds silly. It does. I mean, what is the uh, return on investment? What is our, oh. what, what, what is the outcome of this breathing that you have found that oh. is tangible?
1: eventually became habitual when I talk with people my stomach is engaged in the process my diaphragm is working this is important because the benefits of deep breathing are now you have a greater amount of oxygen in your lungs so that when you expel that oxygen and you're using your voice that oxygen is flowing across your vocal cords the stronger the push of the oxygen The stronger the vocal cords become, the more you have control of your vocal cords. Plus, if you've been breathing wrong for a long time, believe it or not, this sounds a little yucky, in the bronchial, the upper respiratory bronchus, that tube that goes down into the lungs, into the alveoli, which are the lobes that hold the air and move it into the bloodstream, there are collections of mucus and phlegm and other kinds of things which, over time, have had an effect upon your breathing, and your breathing has become more shallow, become more labored. And when you start breathing properly, amazing thing happens, but it's a bit yucky. All of a sudden, the force of that air is expelling that mess. So you actually will find yourself coughing up stuff.
0: And I actually read about this, where if a person continues breathing in the wrong way or using the vocal cords in the wrong way, speaking, it will damage the (laughs) luck of the better world, the equipment that you have in Mm -hmm. your voice box. Yeah. And that's not stuff of leadership. Not at all. Have you ever seen people who come into the room and you can just tell that their voice reaches the back of the uh-huh. room. And not only does it reach the back of the room, it multiplies and it resonates, it resonates. all over and it touches the people. It, it is as if someone who is a skilled speaker has the ability to modulate, focus on their voice, and they can drop it, they can go up, they can do multiple different things. Have you seen that? Absolutely. What about, do you know, Former U.S. President Ronald Reagan. Tell me what about his voice that you can point out that makes? I mean, a lot of different things make him a leader. We know that he was a great communicator, but he wasn't born this way. No. We know there's a story that, well documented, where one of his first jobs out of college was. He was a radio. He radioed. Teacher. Yeah. And he failed one of the first times, but then. But he is famous for a success too. For success, that he he did. A few changes yes. to what he, how he read the material, how he gave characters. Tell us more about it. Tell well, us he, the, what, the stories that you know.
1: What Ronald Reagan did was he listened to himself. Because he, having the benefit of being at a radio station, there was recording capability. Somewhat crude, perhaps. But nonetheless, it was a real to reel process. He could listen to his voice. He wanted to be... The best voice possible because he felt he had the looks, and people told him you should be an actor because he enjoyed theater. But when he would try out for parts, the problem was that he could not sometimes make his voice, create the persona. You know, part of method acting is being create able— Create the emotion.
0: Well, everything about it. It's like
1: climbing into the skin of the role. The part that was written, you need to be that person. To be that person, you've got to be able to emote the voice of that person and the emotions in that voice. And if you don't have that training in your voice where you have learned to exercise it and practice it and create different types of sounds and make your voice truly one of variety, compelling variety, vivid variety, imagining variety, picture painting variety, all of these things what happens is you you never really fulfill your greater purpose Reagan did that that's the reason why later he became a successful actor because he learned how to sound the part that he needed to sound in voice.
0: and it starts by actual work mm-hmm. the work that consists of listening to the recordings that you have a lot of times I talk to aspiring speakers and anyone who's trying to be taken seriously as a leader this is one of the first Items that I bring up, I ask, "Do you record yourself on audio?"
1: I do. Well, okay. Well, and I know of you. Of course, did. you ask that's them. That.
0: That's right. I ask them, and a lot of times the response that I get is, "I understandable, but this is what I hear time and time again." Well, I just don't like to hear myself on the recording.
1: So lame, lame, just, lame, lame, lame.
0: <laughs> one of my dear friends um, have told me, "Okay." This is what to say. Of course, I bite my tongue, but this is what I'd like to share. If you don't like the recording of your voice, well, guess what? Everybody else has to hear it. Why can't you tolerate yourself for just an hour or maybe 30 minutes? Because I believe if you invest the time to listen to your voice, you will understand the different low points. You understand the way that your voice flows in a speech, in a natural conversation. And what now you can do, you have a mindset to reconstruct it and then do it again and again and bring more emotion and bring more different feelings into your conversation. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right?
1: That's absolutely right. One of the exercises that I use, yes. and it has a double benefit reading aloud.
0: Okay, tell us more.
1: Take a book. Something that you like, but it's a book that has dramatic elements in it. It is a book where conversation is taking place between one or two or okay, three parts. So take a book like a literary. One. There's emotional effect in the writing. Okay. You open up the book and you begin to read aloud, but what you try to do is you try to imagine what is the emotion being expressed here, and can I create a sound that expresses that emotion further? Can I change my voice so that it represents a different person so that I can actually, by my voice, identify two or three different persons speaking in a conversation? For example, I have here in front of me from one of the booklets of the Alzheimer's Association of America about aggression. Here is the way that you read aloud. Aggression behaviors may be verbal, such as shouting, name-calling. They can be physical, such as striking or pushing. These behaviors can occur suddenly with no apparent reason, or they can result in a very frustrating situation. Whatever the case, it is important to try to understand what is the cause that is making this Alzheimer's victim angry and upset. Now, that's practice, but that's acquired practice for me. I wouldn't expect somebody to pick up a book or a pamphlet or anything that is trying to express and make us understand the feelings and make a mental picture of what they're talking about. But you need to begin that because the reading process allows you to exercise the voice. Think about coming from deep in the stomach when you speak, creating highs, creating lows, creating all kinds of emotions with the voice. And at the same time, too, as you're reading, there's a, an additional side benefit. The more you read, the more vocabulary you develop. The more you begin to work on your articulation and your speaking, therefore your speaking becomes more credible, more objective, more understanding, and helps you start saying words completely, which is another thing I know you're big on, is people dropping G's and ing's gs and stuff like that.
0: I have seen this, and I have shared this with you and was. With- few other people that we have talked recently. In the United States, some men and women on purpose drop the endings of their words. On purpose? Well, maybe because they're misinformed.
1: Is it just a bad habit?
0: I think it's a bad habit and also it's lack of awareness. Lack of awareness. This is how you talk. And if you want to show up as a leader... If you want to influence, persuade, and collaborate, all of the leadership qualities have to work in sync, in symphony. Voice is one of them. And we are focusing on the voice. Have you seen speakers who drop the endings? And it's a great speech. It's a great idea. It's a great thought. But when it's presented in a weak voice or when you drop the endings, it just doesn't come as credible. And i also seen a lot of speakers whose English is not the first language right and I think this is a disservice that the speakers have and it's one of the things you talked about is audio recording Mm -hmm. what else do you think we can offer to improve
1: audio recordings is one obviously reading aloud is another talking with friends and individuals be involved in conversational situations I would also say, get yourself a friend who is a very, very good speaker, who can also provide some mentoring and coaching. I had a friend at work for years who was originally from Puerto Rico, and of course, he speaks beautifully fluent Spanish. However, his English continues to be labored. For some reason, he's never really been able to get the Spanish inflections out of his English. So when he says words, unless you've been around him for a while, you may find some of his phrasing of English words confusing. Or maybe you just even don't know what he's saying. I'll give you a very funny and simple one. And actually, I began the process when I was trying to teach him how to control his tongue as part of his voice. That's articulation or diction. I actually would mock him, not in a mean way, but as friends, I would repeat something that he said so that he could understand what I'm hearing. I know what he wants to say. One day, he was talking about how, as a former military officer, he was trying to give a directive to a sergeant. And I said, well, how did you approach him? And he said, I said, sergeant, you need to do the following things, and I said sergeant, and he said yeah, sergeant. I mean sergeant. I said, are you trying to say sergeant? Yes, sergeant. Yes, sergeant. No, sergeant. Sergeant. Some he can't say girls. Hmm. He can't. He can't phrase the words girls. He calls them girls. Oh. Yes, girls. Okay. Now, again. I sometimes have fun with him on that. But the premise I was making with him was if you want to become a speaker and if you want to be able to speak not just masterfully to those of your first language, which is Spanish.
0: Also become a leader because every speaker is a leader. Mm -hmm.
1: He was a leader, but the thing about being a leader is that leadership is a full package.
0: It's a full package. You can that, have a
1: rank and yes. still not be a leader. Have you ever had people in positions of power, like in management, even CEOs of company, and you put them up in front of a crowd and it's sleepy
0: time? It's a sleepy time because a lot of people, it's work. It's work and it's purpose. And it takes an inordinate amount of investment, personal development. To first of all, you know, public speaking is hard to do. And it's very hard to do really well. It takes time. It takes time. I believe everyone can elevate their game as a public speaker and leader if you invest in your voice modulation, understanding how your voice works, how you show up. It's a lot of different things, and we've been talking about this for a few months, how to speak brave and how to get out of your comfort zone and take steps to a better life. Yes, I agree with you, John. Leadership is a package. And yes, I have seen those people who are CEOs and position of corporate power, but when they come on stage, it's what? Sleepy time.
1: It is sleepy time. One more story about Ronald Reagan. How are we doing on time here? We've got about five minutes. Okay, I'll be quick on this. How many have heard the story about Ronald Reagan calling a football game as a play-by-play
0: announcer? I never heard it.
1: This is a true story. There was a big, big game on it involved Notre Dame. And there were a lot of Notre Dame fans in the area. Ronald Reagan came up with the idea at the studio that using teletype copy, which was coming from a teletype that was there at the station in the news facility, because back in that day, that was how you got most of the news in the reports. There was a teletype that was actually dictating the play-by-play being done by the announcer who was doing it for the Notre Dame Radio Network, and the game was being broadcast on a radio station, but they didn't have the capacity to get it. So Ronald Reagan sat in a studio, and he was receiving the play-by-play verbatim on copy. So his job was to make it seem like he was actually at the game covering it live, including... The spontaneity and as he would read he would try to imagine the emotions of the speaker as the play was developing. Now think about that. Johnson is behind the quarterback, hands under center. He's looking left, looking right. He's got a couple split right. He's got a couple split to the left. He's looking probably at a 3-4 defense right now. He calls the signals. Here's the handoff. Kelly hits the line. Kelly breaks. Kelly breaks across the 50, across the 45, down to the 40, to the 35. He's finally drugged down at the 31-yard line, and that is a first down, and now they are deep in Notre Dame territory. That's nothing more than creating vivid imagery by manipulating your voice through the process of reading and interpreting the potential emotions that that announcer was conveying as he was there calling the game. This is where you can also practice. Nothing aggravates me more than people in positions of leadership who refuse to take leadership in the places that count the most. And that is, you want to be heard, you want to keep an excited people working for you, you want to motivate your people to work, you don't do, it be, don't do it through just being the boss. You do it through your voice, through your command of your voice, and through the encouragement and strength of your voice, through your emotions. And you're right, Mark, it's hard work if you haven't done it. But trust me when I tell you, It always says, replace a bad habit with a good
0: habit. Yes, yes,
1: yes. Well, start making good choices with your breathing, and your life will transform.
0: Well, breathing has so many different uh, mechanisms and benefits, which we'll talk about uh, at our next podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Next podcast, I'd like to focus on focus, the power of focus. Because as a leader, there's so many different distractions. There's distractions of social media, relationships, health, business objectives. And I'd like to introduce a few things that we can do to gather our focus, become better leaders, and breathing is an essential part. But there's a lot more. And I want to invite all listeners to tune in next time to listen about the power of focus. And also to everyone who have... Any questions about the podcast, or you have future show ideas, reach out to me. Reach out at social media, um, Facebook or LinkedIn. Look up uh, Mark Guy or Speak Brave Podcast. Subscribe, invite your friends, and let's get this let's let's get out of a our comfort zone and speak brave for once. Because everything we ever wanted is on the other side of fear, isn't that right, John? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think it starts with Speaking Brave. John, I want to thank you again for this wonderful session, and I'll see you next time. Yes, I will see you as well. Thanks.